Hello and welcome back to the Guns on Pegs podcast. My name is George Brown and I'm the editor at Guns on Pegs and the Game Card. As usual, I'm joined by Chris Horn, managing director of Guns on Pegs. Chris, the season has started. It has, finally. So presumably you've just been in the grouse butt the whole time, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm fourth day in. It's tough, and it? actually that's impossible, George. It, <laughs> it's Tuesday, it's only been first of the season. Anyway, yeah, anyway, of course I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, now, what I'm more excited about is that the the the, con- the the focus of conversation now starts on like actually the days out that people have had, rather than like the crap about what's going to happen and all that stuff. That's that's what I'm excited about. So yeah, it's it's encouraging, isn't it? it I mean, yeah, I know a lot of people didn't manage to get their days on the twelfth because it was so hot, but it is nice to be seeing new pictures from people out having a nice time shooting rather than the recycled ones it's good yeah definitely yeah it's it's going to be obviously it's going to be an eventful season and my diary isn't ram full of grouse invites but on the basis that we don't get sent loads of drinks to this pod i don't expect people going to message in giving me grouse invites but obviously i've got my gun here and i'm ready if you do want to but <laughs> yeah but i was thinking about that today i reckon we've had more shooting invites than we have drinks sent to us uh that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> well i have anyway <laughs> <laughs> well hey 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 well grouse invite would top it off so you know pulled out guns on um <laughs> chris we better get on and introduce our guest who's joining us today i like this one our, our guest today is a shoot manager he's a stalker and he's a fifth dan black belt in kickboxing uh, so he's fought all across the world, winning many titles, including European championships, and has won the world championships five times. Uh, so when he's not kicking people for fun, he's out in the field following his passions, which have created a successful operation, getting many people into stalking and shooting. Uh, he lives in Bedfordshire, which is also the home to his shoots, Beckerings Park and Buttermilk Shoot, both adjacent to Woburn, uh, a massive uh Massively well-known name and a field sports channel regular. Uh, for those of you that, sees, that have seen him, a huge warm welcome to Paul Childerly. Thank you. What an introduction. I can't believe it, hey? <laughs> hey, we do our research. We do our research. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, what, what more can I say? Well, you can definitely tell us a bit about kickboxing for a second, because uh, like, we talk about shooting all the time. We're much more interested in that. <laughs> um, yeah, kickboxing. I mean, it's, um, I kicked off when I was about... 15, 16, I got a bit of a, a beating up by a few few guys and um, joined the local club and um, started doing it. And so it just really sort of suited me. Um, Did you know quite quickly you were good at it? Had like instructors, could they sort of spot it? They must have done really. And I obviously was fit from doing all the work with the, with the gamekeeping, strong, um, young, keen. And yeah, just, just literally took to it and started competing about 20 um, or probably at 19 and then yeah, just kept on going through, really, and then going up through the grades and teaching. Got my own club for about 24 years as well. So I taught a lot of people wow. all the way from beginners all the way through to black belt and had probably about five or six world champions as well that I was like trained under me. So, yeah, it's been it's been good. And now I've got my son. He's he's now coming up to 13 and he's just done his black belt and passed it about two months ago. So that's pretty oh, cool. That's- that's dangerous. Amazing. Thirteen year old at thirteen year old at school with a black belt and kickboxing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So now it's a yeah, proud moment really. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean the thing that amazes me about um about things like boxing and kickboxing, that kind of thing, you know, I play cricket, 
the there's not a lot of risk if you lose when you play a game <laughs> of cricket. Like it doesn't really matter if you lose at kickboxing. There's consequences. I feel that yeah. I don't think I'm prepared to take on. <laughs> it's quite it's quite funny, really. I got quite a reasonable sized nose or big nose, some people would say, and it's still pretty good. But I don't know. <laughs> all, all all contact sports have got a risk. Um, when you're kickboxing or boxing or martial art, you're generally fighting one person the same weight, which is pretty cool. When you go in a rugby pitch and you've got a whole team of like 18 stone warriors coming to rip you and hit you sideways when you weren't expected it, that for me is a big risk. So those boys are my like uh, heroes on the on the like the combat sport front. Yeah, that's true. I can understand that analogy. So are you still at the sort of top level of, of what you do? Um, yeah. Oh, God. So I oh, retire. I see, I've asked yeah, the wrong I, question. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I basically retire. I wanted to win the world. Basically, I wanted to win a title, and I got the British title and went through to the European and went went all the way through the ranks. And when I won the world championships, it was a probably the biggest anti climax in my martial arts career. Really? And literally the next day, I was like almost depressed. I was like, "What am I going to do?" I thought, "Ah, oh, if I win it twice, then I'm a real world champion." So I defended it, and then I did exactly the same thing again. So, but right, if I do it three times, be undisputed. You know, so I did it three times, same effect again. So, right, if I go up a weight category, win everything in that weight category, and then do it again, then I, yeah, and so on and so on. Then I retired. Now, that's what then, actually, I went to um, Russia, to Ukraine, actually, to fight their world champion out there, a different different organization, and make two world titles. And that was, a, that was an unreal experience, actually. I went out there on my own, um, and, and a coach, and um, there was armed guards on the, uh, the ring, um yeah that was that was quite an experience but i won and then <laughs> i retired sort of then i come out of retirement to fight a pro boxer uh which i won and then i did some mma before the end of it as well did three fights of mma didn't like that uh won them but i didn't like it and then i retired but then i come out about through four years ago and then did it again just for uh, do, do you know what there's something you said which is really interesting and it applies to many walks of life I've heard sportsmen talk about it a lot sportsmen and women but it's also applicable in business which is it's not the end result it's the journey that people yes. do it for and the end result can just kill people so yeah. you've kind of got to always have something bigger it's all about goals like deep, yeah yeah it's all about goals yeah. isn't it all about goals yeah I mean that's, yeah. that's the same as my business um, every single thing for me is, is about goals when I get there um, it's, it's a few years ago I wanted to buy a Porsche and I had to save up obviously enough money to buy a Porsche and I bought a really nice Porsche and it was like okay drove it for a bit the first year second year didn't drive it so I sold it it was like it was almost a journey to get there was was 10 times better yeah. than actually getting it yeah so true yes. it? Achie- achievement be... ticked off next yeah, yeah. definitely it's, it's the feeling that you were able to do what your goal was rather than actually completing the goal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, got almost a different podcast in its own right, that whole conversation. But yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> really, really interesting. Well, congratulations. Yeah. I mean, what a mega journey. And I love the fact that you won all these ones but didn't enjoy it and then hadn't had enough. So came back, won it again. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, th- I think I got one more in me. I reckon I could do one more. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted because basically, it's very it's for anybody that trains. If you haven't got a target or a goal, it's very hard to go. You know those those hot days to go training, and I'm mm. the same as anybody else. So I just I'm keeping fit, but I just need one more. I think one more. I got one more in there. Yeah, 
Oh, that, that, that's like uh, having a sort of uh, like a half marathon in the diary type thing just to try and get you out running for general fitness or, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you, yeah. you need that thing, don't you? Otherwise you, you just give up. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> um, oh, brilliant. All that, all that fitness talk, George. <laughs> yes, uh, I think we've better find out um, what it is that kickboxing world champions like to drink. Paul, what's that you're drinking? <laughs> What do you expect? The Tuesday evening is water. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it is. It, because, I mean, I don't generally, because I've done all the training all my time, a lot of the time I've, I've missed out on parties, weddings for drinking because obviously you can't drink before you've got a world title fight. So um, water's probably been the key to my life. Apart from on shoot days now a little bit, um, in the week I generally don't drink. So I save it up for the Fridays and Saturdays and, and have a good time on them evenings. Mm, fair enough. <clears throat> I know what you mean. I look for, I look forward to an excuse to have a drink on the podcast, though, even though it's like <laughs> often, at, often at strange times. I don't really mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not even joking. One of the main reasons we're still doing the podcast is because it's a good excuse to have a drink at four o'clock <laughs> on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <clears throat> Changes my outlook on the day. Um, jo- <laughs> George, what have you got this time? We were saying earlier we've not been sent very many drinks, but in fact, I was sent from the English whiskey company a sort of sample pack. So they sent me two bottles of whiskey, a peated one and a, an unpeated one. And I'm sorry to say that I've drunk those already. <laughs> um, they've gone. Uh, but they also sent me uh, something called uh, the PX, which is um, sherry uh, mixed with whiskey. So Pedro Jimenez sherry mixed with single malt whiskey. Uh, it's 20% alcohol by volume. It's black like the night. And it's really very good. I've got it in a big glass with some ice. And it's sort of some a bit like port, I suppose, a little bit like port. Um, it's very sweet. I don't think you could drink a lot of it. Uh, and I think if you did, you would really be suffering the next day. Um, but it's really, really good. So I can highly recommend it. I think it'd be excellent on a shoot day. Uh, 11s or something like that say, or, you know after lunch i think it'd be a really good drink for that um because it's not too punchy you know it's kind of around the same sort of level as uh, what i suspect slow gin is you know around the 20 percent mark um so it's really good so you haven't deviated too far from your area of expertise yeah that's true um but you know <laughs> it's if people are going to send me drinks i'm going to drink them on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> well people are starting to know your area of expertise it actually might even become that would you consider it that? Well, no, I'm definitely not an expert. Um, I think you need about 40 years more practice than I've had to be a, to be an expert in whiskey. Um, I really don't know anything about them at all. It was only recently I worked out why I like the ones that I like. I really. So, um, you know, I think there's, there's such a huge world to explore with whiskey that um, I don't think it would ever be really possible to say that you are an expert. Yeah, this is true. Same applies to wine. <laughs> Yeah, that and 15 years of smoking has probably completely destroyed my palate yeah. anyway. <laughs> That'll do it. Chris, what have you got? So I've got um, I've got a gin and tonic, and Kerr's Gin is our favourite, as we've talked about, because they very kindly sponsored the podcast party. Uh, and I've actually got a Yorkshire tonic within this gin. But I've gone and, I've gone and uh, I'm trying something else, uh, which is local to me. I wanted to see what it was like, because it's from Chapel Down the guys who do the English sparkling wine, uh, and it's a Bacchus gin. So Bacchus being the, the grape uh, that produces uh, a lot of English wine. 
uh, and it's really tasty actually. It's a bit different to what you'd probably normally expect. Uh, I've stuck the Yorkshire tonic in it. Uh, and yeah, so nice, refreshing, given that it's been so warm recently. But for the first time ever, I've also got a what's that you're eating with it. Uh, I've just <laughs> pretty much finished a big bag of crisps. And I, I've got to give a shout out to these people because I two guys came along at the game fair and they 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 dropped a whole load of crisps off with us. Um, and they were uh, a couple of guys who called themselves two farmers, hand cooked crisps. Um, and they're awesome i wouldn't normally do like you know it wasn't necessarily for a reason or anything but i thought they had i had to give them a shout out um i've been 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 eating the uh the sausage and mustard the herefordshire sausage and mustard ones uh and they're so good so if you see two farmers crisps get a load of them they're really good and they've also got this quite epic packaging which you can uh, a crisp bag which you can stick in your compost which i've never seen before i thought that's quite a nice touch um so anyway, yeah, crisps and a a chapel down Bacchus gin and tonic is my tipple for our chat with Paul. Excellent. Sounds very good. Right. So let's move on. Um, we're going to do now, Paul, the section that we call Whose Bird Is It Anyway, uh, which is where we ask our listeners to send in their shooting quandaries and queries and dilemmas and all that sort of thing. And we do our level best to offer them some sort of advice, helpful or otherwise. This episode's Whose Bird Is It Anyway comes from somebody who we shall call Jeff, because that's his name. Uh, it's quite a long one, uh, but it's worth sticking with, I think. Um, so Jeff writes, It's with a troubled heart that I submit this to the Whose Bird Is It Anyway segment of your podcast. I am Jeff from San Antonio, Texas in the United States. This dilemma involves Mr. Johns, a gentleman of my acquaintance for the past few years. But I'm convinced that if you change my name from Jeff with a J to say Jeff with a G, it will sufficiently confound Mr. Johns because he's not too bright and I will remain anonymous. <laughs> I'm a lifelong bird hunter, former competitive shotgun shooter and a former shotgun shooting instructor. Four of my shooting friends who are familiar with the circumstances are evenly split two to two in their opinions. It's agreed by the lot of us that your opinion decides the final answer once and for all. It all started when, four years ago or so, Mr. Johns was invited on a dove hunt. To be fair, he'd not shot much in his life, but that did little to discourage him from shooting at nearly everything that flew from where he stood to the horizon. In a word, his shooting could only charitably be described as awful. So bad, in fact, that were he to choose a shotgun as his primary method of robbing a bank, I would strongly encourage him to consider another form of persuasion. Hmm. To his credit, he later approached me and asked that since I was a shooting instructor some years back, would I mind spending a bit of time and help get him up to speed? I dutifully agreed. He was a stellar student over the ensuing months. He read, he did mounting and swing exercises, and perhaps most importantly, shot hundreds of clays with me looking over his shoulder and many more hundreds on his own. Over the course of the ensuing off-season, he went from embarrassingly inept to res respectably marginal perhaps even adequate. The following dove season, Mr. Johns rather insinuated himself onto our outings. Unlike driven shooting, where there's a set distance between pegs, the distance between dove hunters is determined by the flight line of the birds, available cover, and most importantly, generally close enough to continue conversations with one another whilst waiting for the next flight of birds. As dove hunters do not have previous night and post-shoot parties replete with single malts and slow gin, we typically conduct our socialization during the shoot. And herein lies the problem. 
Now that Mr. Johns has become a passable shot, he's become convinced that anything at which he shoots must have died at his hand. In short, if he is shot in the general direction of a bird and should said bird fall without regard to actually shot it and with shameless disregard of how implausible his hitting the bird may have been, he cries mine and convinced of his prowess walks over and retrieves the bird to his bag. So irritating is this pathology that as a practitioner of medicine, I have coined a new diagnostic term, hubris, that is hubris while shooting a shotgun. I'm submitting an article regarding this phenomenon to the British Medical Journal. It should be available to the lay public by the end of this year. My group and I, thoroughly vexed, have cajoled him, admonished him, even ridiculed him in as gentlemanly a way as possible to absolutely no avail. So here is my dilemma. Given the time I have invested in Mr. John's instruction, the hours I have suffered listening to his gloating of his marginal shooting skills, and the more than 50 score of doves he has shot at and flared from distances that defy ballistics, which have frankly driven me and the others in our group to the brink of apoplexy, I ask you, do you really think it necessary that I stop sleeping with his girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) There's a lot there, isn't there? This this guy's... This guy's a right joker, isn't he? What's he called? He, his name is Jeff. Jeff with a G or Jeff with a J. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, without question, it's the best written submission we've had yeah. in 43 episodes. I absolutely love it. It's so well written. But I'm not entirely clear on what we're trying to advise him on here. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get the impression that do you really think it necessary I stop sleeping with his girlfriend is a bit of a joke. I, I, I'm hoping that's not what he's asking our opinion on. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's start with that. Should he stop sleeping with this girl, with this chap's girlfriend? Uh, Paul, uh, a bird in the hand. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you're asking for uh, um, this is a moral dilemma. If ever you've heard one. <laughs> Well, it's in- interesting, really. Well, you know, let's think about it sensibly. He's, if he if he stops sleeping with her, is he going to get any more invites? Yeah, actually, that's a good point. We don't know which way round this is happening. Oh, yeah. did, did he say that uh, Mr. Mr. Johns was was invited to join an existing group, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, so is he inviting Mr. Johns because it means he gets to spend time with his girlfriend? That's where it is. I think that's where it is. It's a, it's a double-ended, oh, you know. Now it all makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, that, that's brutal. It's very good, but it is a it is a tricky situation, though. Like, well, which bit? I mean, this surely. What do you do when somebody thinks they're a lot better okay, than they that, are? That's what we need to be debating here, because I, I I think he's having a laugh at us with his "Should I stop sleeping yeah. with his girlfriend?" So right. So the point here is, he's got a mate that, quite frankly, doesn't get it. He's he's claiming everything irrespective of of how long he's how long he's been shooting how much knowledge he's managed to gain and how well how well he's shot and it's obviously annoying these guys no end so what advice would you give this guy paul in a situation like this um well on a serious note if he's giving him instruction on the playground and stuff he maybe give him some instruction in the bedroom (laughs) (laughs) and then he might have this problem (laughs) Oh, I don't know. It's 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 one of those things. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's uh, 
us British are very courteous and we like to like, you know, yours, yours. Oh, maybe yeah. I'll have a shot. So, you know, it's it's how we grew up. So, you know, maybe he needs to come yeah. across here and do some shooting with us for a bit. Yeah, yeah. He'd, brought, he'd be brought back down a peg or two quite quickly, wouldn't he? Yeah, stick him in between two hot shots. I think he'd be, uh, yeah, eating his words. Yes. It occurs to me, just from the way it's written, I think Jeff might be a Brit. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Mr. Johns is a Brit, but just there's something that tells me that Jeff might be an expat. Uh, oh, I see what you mean. He's not taking the piss out of us too much, and he's made up a whole story about himself as well as... <laughs> <laughs> you see, the awkward thing about a situation like... The, the situation like this on like just imagine yourself well you don't have to imagine yourself you're in your local syndicate right and your neighbor shoots one of your birds now we don't get precious us brits about like whose bird it really was i don't think it's not about that but it is quite annoying when people claim birds that you yeah. know you were quite proud to have shot and yeah. i don't know why it's annoying but it is <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, definitely. I think it's you're quite proud you're taking the shot. Good, good, clean kill. Yeah, yeah. But also I, the 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 thing you don't want to be labelled with is the greedy gun. That's the biggest. That's the biggest turn off for any joining any syndicate or any, or getting you know, people coming to want to join join one of my syndicates. Getting getting the right team together is is very important. Yeah, that's true. And I suppose if he was claiming birds publicly. Uh, then that's going to annoy other guns, and maybe well, it clear as in this situation it is with these guys. I just think that if you're in a syndicate, you're not going to get invited back, are you? No. So, so that begs the question. It's back to the same topic. Why do they keep inviting him? <laughs> simple. It simple. is, isn't it? Well, it's I think simple. we know the answer, don't we? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the real dilemma here is not any of the questions he's given us. It's about what his priorities are. This Jeff guy in life <laughs> it's whether they're shooting or women <laughs> i think we know where they are already <laughs> yeah exactly because he's put up he's he's put up with it long enough hasn't he <laughs> definitely <laughs> oh, dear. so our advice is you don't need our advice yeah you've got it great already yeah keep on trooping on well <laughs> Um, it's a good submission. I appreciate it. I can't work out if he's taking the piss out of us, trying to get us in an awkward situation like we're clearly in now, <laughs> or whether, <laughs> or whether it's a genuine problem that he can't, he needs an answer to. Well, either way, I think, it, like you say, it was a really, really good submission. Thank you very much, Jeff, for sending it in. Um, let's move on, though, Chris. Uh, what's the unpopular opinion this week? Yes. So this unpopular opinion comes from someone we shall call Herman who writes, uh, as my name suggests... Hold on a second. Did Herman choose his own name, George? He did not. I think he did. No, he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, I don't get to do any naming on this podcast. George gets that wonderful (laughs) job. Anyway, so as my name suggests, I'm of Teutonic descent, but had the great privilege of growing up on these hallowed isles. Experience shooting uh, across the world, I'm glad to see that everyone is trying to do more to improve its reputation. From deer stalking certification offered by different bodies to the BGA and the Code of Good Shooting Practice, a lot has changed for the better. Gone are the times where you're able to get your shotgun certificate at the post office. While I'm not advocating a hunting license exam such as the one in Germany, 
nicknamed the Green A-Level due to its depth and intense nature, I'm still baffled that game shoots don't insist on some proof of competence. For most driven shooting in Germany, you now need a Scheißnackweiss, in essence, proof of recent practice. The license, or knowledge, plus the practice and competence, therefore, is one of our cornerstone arguments in favour of shooting. How How easy would it be for shoots to insist on this and to ask for something similar in the UK? A simple clay gown ground receipt is enough and i'm sure everyone would benefit greatly interesting Ooh, that's a very interesting one paul what do you think um pass <laughs> uh, it's, it's a real good question really because um you know they've gone down that route a little bit with the uh with the rifle side of things and stalking with the, with the level one and two um which a lot of people have jumped on now and, and getting their level one and two which is great um just got to be a bit careful with it all that you're not like penalizing people that to get into the to it i mean you know the pigeon shooter the the rough shooter and making it more expensive more hassle more complicated for the jeffs of the world or was it the jeff or was the other guy yeah. it was a, it was it was a it was the other guy mr johns uh, mr johns, mr. johns yeah. yeah mr johns but a bit, so got- bit then but then again if mr johns didn't make it that'd be no bad thing it sounds like well well unless he brought his uh, girlfriend <laughs> how, how is how is mr johns's girlfriend got into conversation about licenses i don't know i don't know um it's just trying to tie it up no i think i think um yeah i think it could be i don't know i think we do quite a good job personally i think we actually do a good job i mean guys that come out with me whether it's a rifle the shotgun they start at the beginning they don't go straight on a big big um driven day to start with they they start off with a bit of walked up um, or you you've touched on something the the really important place to start here, which is the fact that we have DSC, yeah, uh, deer stalking certificate in in the UK. Um, how long has that been around? Can you remember? Uh, must be to must be thirty years. Must be. I mean, 20, 25, 30 years. Yeah, because because the growth in game shooting specifically has happened a huge amount in the last, well, probably within that time. Yeah, I would yeah. say. Yeah. So it's at a disadvantage sort of talking about it now rather than then, isn't it? Um, and and DSC is quite intensive. Maybe for those that aren't familiar with it, can you just give a bit of an overview on that? Yeah. So basically you have to do uh, hygiene, health and hygiene, identification, rifle test on the range. Uh, it's, it's like a very basic thing, but it's a, it's a good sort of introduction Lots of police forces ask for that now before you get deer caliber, which I think is a good thing. Um, but I think time in the field with a with a person is is what you need. A certificate doesn't doesn't give you the yeah you know, the ethics behind it, the training, the you know. But it's a good way to 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 say you're sort of competent. So so it could be better than that. That's that's interesting. The time in the field point is interesting. George, what do you reckon? Well, I do. I I don't hate this idea. Uh, I've got to say, um, and you know, I do, I wouldn't object with everybody having to serve some sort of apprenticeship before being let out with a shotgun. You know, Chris, you and I, and I'm sure the same is true of you, Paul. You know, we were all out shooting at the age of, you know, eleven, twelve, or whatever, with our dads or whoever it happened to be, who sort of fulfilled that role but for people who aren't lucky enough to have grown up shooting 
there's ever such a lot that you've got to get your head around. And a lot of it is, you know, obviously there's important things like safety and, and respect and that kind of thing. But I think there's also stuff that you just sort of pick up kind of through osmosis almost, just through being around it a lot. You know, how many I did must have done a decade of beating before I was ever allowed near, you know, well, you know, five years when I was old enough to walk, I was out beating. So, um, you know, I, how do you get that experience in if you've picked up a shotgun when you're 25 because somebody's invited you on a corporate day uh, or something along those lines? You know, where where does that grounding come from for those who don't grow up with it? Um, I can totally so see his point, but what what we've discussed then is three points. You've got etiquette, which you've alluded to quite a bit there. And I, I think that experience is the only way to learn that. I, th- I think etiquette is something you've almost got to put aside for a second. But the other two points you've discussed is like skill and knowledge. And I think that there is something out there already, which has the makings of a step in the massively the right direction here. Because the GWCT produced the knowledge test uh, a couple of years ago now. It must have been just before lockdown started. And that is like a good way. It's like a game shooting uh, knowledge test to demonstrate you understand sort of some of the basics. And it gives you a very basic online form of accreditation. Uh, so that for me is a real step in the right direction. But the other point is about the idea that this chap here, Herman, mentions, which is, you know, could you go to a playground and just have a little sort of sign off from an instructor to say basic gun handling safety skills, that sort of thing. Mm. If you're new to shooting, that would be a really nice little thing to get off the back of a lesson and then be able to demonstrate to a shoot if you're new to shooting that, don't worry, I've, I've essentially been vetted. But I don't know what difference it would actually make. But I agree with Paul, though, on the, and also going back to something he said, any barriers to shooting for me are a major concern. I don't really want to be doing those because I think the shooting needs to be as big as it possibly can be. To, for its positive arguments yeah I, I think they're all very valid points and as you, i completely agree that you don't want it to be a barrier to entry um it could almost be i think if you spun it the right way it could almost be seen as a route to entry rather than a barrier to entry um, because let's face it shooting is you know from outside potentially quite difficult to get into um but yeah i think i'm i don't i don't hate the idea at all um, but I think we. I, what are we going to do? How are we going to resolve this? Is it unpopular or not? I, th- I think it's got. I think it's got a possibility. It's just. A, it's like how do you uh, enforce it, police it, and who's going to be the governing body? Which which Gosh, organization yes. is going to take the the, uh, the accreditation? And therein lies the problems. Because yeah. the other the other major problem is that it can't just be for people who are new to shooting. You exactly. have to do it for everyone and we know the shooting world enough, there's absolutely a cat in hell's chance that you're going to get the vast majority of the shooting world doing anything like this. Our yeah. census tells us the average year's experience is over is 36 or something. People something have got like as many that, yeah. years experience as, as I have years been alive. <laughs> therefore, uh, you know, trying to get them to say, can you prove your uh, game shooting prowess? It's like, yeah. it's the most, it's almost like asking them, are they any good in bed? but is it maybe maybe it's like um some of them are probably the ones who need it most of course um it's is it like well, but, but uh, the... getting a 70 year old to retake their driving test yes exactly that 
So that's an unpopular opinion. I think I think um, you do tend to find though a lot of people do go beating first, don't they? They tend to go beating, or they go along to a shoot day to experience what a driven day is like or a walked up day is like, and then they like then they slowly. Not many people just jump straight into it. That would be my amendment: is compulsory two days of beating before you're allowed out with a shotgun. Yeah, for free. Uh, for free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unpaid, unpaid beating. <laughs> I mean, th- th- yeah, that's the thing. If if you started out, or so fifty percent of people, forty nine, I think it is, of people started shooting by or getting into shooting by going beating. And I think there's no better way than understanding the basics because you see everything from the beating line, don't you? You, you see do. etiquette, you see who's, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I think that that almost needs to be the unwritten rule of getting yeah. into shooting, irrespective yeah. of who you are. Yeah, yeah, do a few days in the line. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Get shouted at by you on a day. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> You're more than and welcome. Kick, and then kick to the floor, yeah. <laughs> good George are you happy with that then yeah I think I am I don't think we've decided if it's an unpopular opinion I think it's not an unpopular opinion I don't think it is so that's okay good um but I still think you know yeah beating is the way forward and that's that's the best way of doing it um and uh that you know and it comes down to the shoot owner doesn't it Paul who who they want to have on their shoot in the end yeah definitely and you can soon see if they're competent or or not and you know and also, I guess it's down to the shoots to to be able to to provide you know somebody to stand with a novice and and that kind of thing. And that's often, you know, you can shoot as many clays as you like, but it doesn't um, exactly prepare you for exactly you know a big cover of partridge yeah. coming at uh, you. Yeah, and I think we've all stood on the peg and not shot very well. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, very I, don't, true. I don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Have you have you done that, George? <laughs> once or twice, Chris. Once or twice. right okay so chris um that is officially not an unpopular opinion so um moving on uh talk to us about this week's shooting hero yeah pre-warning a slight change of pace with the shooting hero um uh this is an emotional one so here goes um it comes from uh someone who emailed in uh, by the name of Josh, uh, but it also is Josh, Luke, Ozzy, and Will, four guys who've messaged in. And they say, I'd like to propose a shooting hero, which I'm sure is familiar to every shooting friendship group out there. However, I'd like to propose one on behalf of myself and his, fr- and his friends, the Harper Adams Shooting Club. And for those who know him back home in Warwickshire, as well as far and wide, that chap is called Len Eden. Len models the country gentleman and budding young shot role making him a great ambassador for our sport. He holds the value of being polite, respectful, generous, and always willing to lend a hand, being the last man at the bar telling tales whilst making new ones, and to top it off being one hell of a shot. Although we will never tell him that until now for fear of his head getting too big. Unfortunately, earlier this year, Len made the decision to take his own life in the early hours of New Year's Day, handing a devastating blow to those who knew him. Sadly, I'm sure I'm not alone amongst your listeners in having to suffer the pain of losing a dear friend through this terrible illness that is mental health. It's hard to put into words how much of a hero Len is to all of us, but I believe he's a true shooting hero as Len's spirit continues to fight it. This is that because of Len. Awareness has been raised across the rural community and the wider population to the loss of what was considered to many a great man. Not only has Len's story made many people open up to one another to talk about the way they feel, 
in our group and rural community, but has stopped others from suffering the same way. Hearing tales of Len's story saving lives to me is what optimises a true hero, because even though he's not here in body to tell us or to speak up and talk to one another, his story has been so powerful in doing that in spirit. So that's from Josh, Luke, Ozzy and Will, their nomination for a shooting hero, which is Len Eden. An emotional one. It's a very, very powerful, very powerful letter. Hugely. So they, I've been following this uh, since since Josh messaged in, and they've raised over sixty three thousand pounds on a on a on a page that uh, a much loved page, which is a website you can go to if you Google Len Eden E A D O N, um, which is an amazing amount of money from a lot of people. Um, they've raised it for the prevention of young suicide, the Farming Community Network, and the Farm Safety Foundation. And I I messaged back josh off the back of this and i said look what's obviously it's a lovely submission i totally get it it all makes total sense and if there's anything we can do to help so obviously talking about it is one good thing we can we can help do but i also said to him look len's gone and earned himself a pair of garters so is there anything you can do with those and and uh, they've got a ball coming up a hunt ball and they're going to auction off len's podcast garters um which someone's going to own and, and the, the donation's going to go to the charities, which is a small little uh, token, which which we'll be delighted to support. So, um, and, and Josh, Luke, Ozzy and Will, obviously we're sending them garters as well. So very good. Yes. I mean, I just want to say on this, you know, I come from a farming background um, and uh, farming is at times, as I'm sure it is uh, gamekeeping as well, Paul, a lonely place and you're at the mercy of the weather and international markets and all the rest of it uh as we're seeing you know this this year with bird flu and and grain prices and all that kind of stuff um so uh you know you're out working by yourself a lot of the time no one to talk to um so i guess the message from me is um if you've got a mate who works in farming or gamekeeping or uh you know one of these rural professions pick up the phone, have a chat with them, take, go to the pub, whatever. Um, you know, talking to each other is the most important thing um, around all this. So um, yeah, uh, I think thanks to, to, to Josh and, and all of his mates for, for, you know, raising awareness of it. Yeah, I agree. Not talked about enough. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. Actually, there's been some hard times for the, like the gamekeeping industry, you know, um, not just sort of myself with running the shoot when, you know, straight into pandemic with, covid you know then you go bird flu so you know it's been a bad three years but also you know gamekeepers out there it's like they're gonna lose their job the house and they got a family you know it's it's a tough tough old uh tough old time so yeah like like you said get in talk to somebody share your problems and um yeah tomorrow is another day definitely exactly and, and the hardest part is that opening up the conversation picking up the phone or even just texting a mate and the gamekeepers welfare trust talk about this uh and the fact that they're there to talk to people you know it can be anonymous um to to, to try and sort of you know to be there for keepers uh because admitting that you're struggling to a mate is often the the, the, the sort of most brave thing that you can do so you know remember that these people are out there to help you there are people always willing to listen uh, you know, and so I suppose the, the message as George said, if you think someone might be in this position, you know, see if you can help. And exactly. So, yeah. So as you say, Chris, uh, Josh and his mates are all now members of the most noble order of the garters, as are Jeff and Herman from earlier and 
now Paul as well. You'll be getting a set of the highly exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters. Um, if you too have got a shooting confession, a quandary or a query uh, that you'd like our guests to help you with, or if you've got an unpopular opinion you'd like us to debate, or if you've got a shooting hero to nominate, uh, drop us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com. And if we use it in any future episode, the garters will be on their way to you. Chris, we've got to... Uh... Yeah, Paul, so uh, a couple of episodes ago, a good friend of ours, Tim Adams, who you might know, actually, messaged in. Uh, he gave us some of his his drink, this elderberry porth, uh, which is which is absolutely mega. Yeah. Uh, and he said to he said to us, uh, I want to give away a few bottles. Ask. Uh, we came up with this idea of uh, asking our guests to choose which of the submissions from the correspondence deserves a bottle of Tim Adams's elderberry porth uh, for us to, or Tim will send it over to them. Uh, who are you going to choose out of the submissions that we had, the topics for the free bottle of elderberry porth? Um... <laughs> I'd like to say Jeff, but I'm not going to. I mean, I'm not going to say Jeff. Are you, Sorry, Jeff. Are you, going to, are you, are you going to give it to Jeff to have with Mr. No, Johns's no. girlfriend? He's, he's had enough pleasure. He's had enough pleasure. I think it. I think it's give it to the to the boys and maybe have one last drink with uh, with with Lenny. Was it? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I don't think we can disagree with that as a suggestion. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Paul. Uh, yeah. So. So. Yeah. Josh, Luke, Ozzy, and Will. Uh, you're going to have a bottle of elderberry porth to raise a glass to lend. So enjoy it and send us a photo as well. Um, so, yeah, there's also uh, t- Tim actually got in touch, Tim Adams, and he said he's offering all pod listeners a cracking deal. All you've got to do is if you want to buy two, two or more bottles, when you just Google elderberry porth, when you get to the checkout, put in madams for free. <laughs> I love his, his choice of <laughs> discount code. Uh <laughs> The link is in the description to this podcast, but uh, yeah, it's it's a good one if you want to get your hands on it. Yeah, and uh, speaking of offers, there's also still the chance to win yourself a Beretta Ultra Leggero uh, shotgun. All you have to do is download our app, the game card, and you'll be entered into the draw. Again, the link will be in the description after this episode. Um, but I mean, we've got t- it's taken us a while to get to this point now, Paul, but... Um, I want to ask you about your shooting operation. You've got two shoots, that's right? Yeah, I've run two shoots in um, Bedfordshire, one slightly into Buckinghamshire, but yeah, been running them for um, what a long story. I don't know how long we got, but yeah, been running them for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what got you into it? Um, well, basically, my father's a gamekeeper. Um, he's retired now, um, and I went from training with him, went to Sparsholt and Fordenbridge to the Game Conservancy at the time. It was called Game Conservancy. And then went to Stoll Park, Vestis, down in um, Sirencester. Uh, went through the ranks there and then come down here and set a shoot up with a, a guy that bought a estate, um, which is Beckerings Park. Set it up with him. There was a previous shoot on there before, but not really that great. Um, greatly run. Um, so set up a new shoot. Um, run that with him for nine, eight, nine years. So he sold the place and made me redundant. And I took the shoot on myself. Then I took on another shoot which is buttermilk about a year and a half later so yeah and oh, awesome. yeah yeah what a story and so you did well after being after being made redundant when they sold it you did well to sort of get the rights straight away yeah was that quite tricky it was it was it was in the sale really um it was like it was part i think helped the sale um that the shoot was going to be run by somebody that's already there and, and running the shoot so yeah yeah 
And and the two shoots are they quite similar in in I suppose what would you call it style I suppose or are they quite different? No, they're actually both totally different. Actually, um, you got Beckering Park is more of an open land game crop partridge with probably I don't know, probably a third pheasants. Um, Buttermilk is mostly woodlands, probably six hundred. Uh, acre block of woodland surrounded by arable fields with uh, mostly pheasants with a yeah, handful of ducks um, on a normal year but uh, yes. it's different this year <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna say it's so, so is it buttermilk that's had to adjust a lot more then I know well because the other ones predominantly partridge, bo- bo- so both both of them yeah are bo- bo- totally changed yeah I mean they will for this year I mean um Obviously, had two years of COVID, which we, you know, we actually did really well to, uh, yeah, we don't actually, it was actually in the, the first like pandemic part time, it was actually, we got it sorted and it was actually sort of enjoyable in January. We actually got a lot done with like mini walk, walked up type days. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, last year was just like a reasonably normal year. And then uh, this year with, with, with bird flu sort of like ruined the, the scenario again so we got a few ducks in and we're doing a few duck, duck days and it's given us a chance to do a lot of um repair work on the buildings the shoot lodge re-renovated the shoot lodge uh which again so it's quite nice with the two shoots because they're both different you got the like the shoot lunches more of like a, a 250 sort of bag day on the on back rings and buttermilk's more of 150 200 bird day with with join join your beaters with lunch so it's a yeah, a bit more lower key, so it's it's quite nice actually. Got best. Yeah, and and um and and what's are they predominantly all let days, or do you have a syndicate as well? And how, how do you? I actually run two syndicates, a syndicate on each place of six days, and the rest are let days. Um, this year we we're probably planning on doing about sixty days. Um, well, actually, really? not planning. There were sixty days booked in the diary, uh, <laughs> deposited, paid for. And it was looking to be a cracking so looking to take on another keeper for buttermilk. Um just to so it released me a little bit more time. Um but obviously that's all changed and hopefully next year we'll kick off the same sort of scenario as this year. Nice. So how many guys have you got working for you across the two shoots then? Um at the moment just got one full time guy, um, one full time keeper on Beckerings who lives on the estate. Um and then buttermilk we're just doing do it a bit sort of part time. We do some walked up days there this year and a few ducks, um, a few hoppers, so it's not yeah, it's not uh, too taxing for anyone so you're very busy then yeah i mean it, 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 a normal year we like say we do like 50 60 days we including walked up days as well a few duck flights and then we do probably well the covid year we've done 800 deer with clients wow <laughs> really yeah so yeah we, we, yeah so a normal year about 500 five to 600 so yeah so we, we're quite busy we're quite busy chaps. I, I, I'm struggling to work out how many days there are in the year that you can make use of now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you you you've got one keeper on one shoot. Yeah. Presumably, you're out doing a lot on the other shoot. Yeah, I do my share. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Plus, you're taking people out stalking. Yeah. And you're doing loads of that. Yeah. And you're running sixty shoot days. Yeah. And have you got a family? I think I have. yeah do do you know do you know what it's quite funny um i I do a lot of socializing as well i mean i'm out doing a lot of stuff um it's just plan i mean i've got guys guiding for me as well so i got guys um i did have a part-time keeper as well which um he finished so um but yeah 
it, it works, but I do need another keeper for next year, I think. So I, I was going to say, alongside all of that, you're doing field sports channel stuff as well. Yeah, that's my holiday bits. <laughs> yeah, no, that that that, that is time-consuming. To be fair, um, I say it is it's it is very good fun, but it is not quite as uh, it's hard work. Actually, that's what I'll say. It's amazing fun, great opportunity, love every minute of it, but it's a lot of work goes in behind the scenes, as you guys know, doing this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, they're, they're rather more professional than we are. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd say rather more professional. They're professional, we are. <laughs> I think it's the other way. <laughs> but, well, how did all that come about? How did you get involved with those guys in the first place? Um, well, I was actually working for, I was still working for the estate at the time as a gamekeeper. Um, and the early days, Charlie was friends with the editor of one of the magazines and they said could they come down because I was doing a bit of writing for a magazine could you come down and, and film me and I wasn't keen on getting in front of the camera because I just didn't want to because didn't want the profile really um, and um, they did the, one of the first films actually with me Chinese Water Deer was actually on my place on Beckerings um, and then then I got made redundant so I thought well let's look at the bigger picture here that's advertising let's go so that's the only reason behind it. And that's the, that's the reason I sort of jumped on it, really. Um, I was doing stuff with Zeiss already, so they wanted doing some films and then asked me to sort of do some stalking. And it's, it's not acting, it's just me doing my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes total sense, though. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you, but by doing that, you've obviously got collaborations with some brands and stuff, and but you've got a lot of people who then seek you out to go stalking. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's a huge public benefit here that you've got loads of people into it because they've sort of been introduced to this personality behind a video. Yeah, definitely. And people, they come stalking, they actually, or even at a game fair or a show, they start talking to you as if they know you. And it's really funny. I think I must have come stalking me or been on a game shoot before. So I can't remember everybody. And, um, and then they suddenly pipe up and say, oh, actually, it's the first time I met you. It's like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's it's quite strange, actually. It's, um, but it's great, great for me. Great tool for 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 business, definitely. Yeah, I mean that, that that whole kind of recognition thing is something that Chris and I are still slightly coming to terms with. I think, and we've got this added <laughs> level of weirdness that they come up and they say, "I'm Herman," for example. Yeah. And then, yeah. They, and you're like, "Oh Christ! Uh, what? Uh, why did they give you that name? And what was your story about?" And trying <laughs> desperately trying yeah. to remember <laughs> why yeah. I decided to call someone yeah. Algernon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> the thing, I, the thing I like, George, is that if if more than one person listens to our podcast and they happen to try, try and find us, uh, that ours is all uh, audio only, so no one knows what we look like. So you can hide in the corner and get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, anyway, just just going back to the shoot for a minute. So so you you mentioned you put down more ducks for this year, yeah. which for for those that aren't aware. I'm guessing pool is because it's been very difficult to get hold of partridges or the number of pheasants that you want. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so just talk me through the sort of situation that you're now facing. How, how's that been? Have you managed to sort of smooth it over? Are you, are you now at the point where you're looking forward to the season and you've got through that? Where are you at? Oh God, it's a, it's a minefield. So basically, like I said, I had 60 days booked up. Um, then we had the news on bird flu. Didn't quite know what was going to happen. So I sat on it. I notified all the all the teams and said, "Look, you got your choices. You're having money back straight away. Your deposit back straight away. 
um, or we'll sit and wait. Most of them chose to wait. Um, and then I think it was end of May time. Um, obviously, it, was, it, was, it wasn't going to happen. So I basically notified them all and said, look, there's your money back. I am doing duck days. Do you want to swap it for a duck day? Um, we do the same format, run it like a, a shoot day. It's not going to be stood around a pond shooting tame ducks. It's going to be, you know, proper sport and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both estates are quite nice because you've got some nice trees and the ponds are away. So you're not stood around the pond, basically. It's it's some good sport and stuff. Um, but luckily also I, I took a bit of a punt at the very beginning because obviously ducks were short of, um, short of numbers once everyone jumped onto it. Um, so literally yeah. at the very beginning, I thought, you know what? I'm going to book quite a lot of duck up. So I booked a lot of duck up <laughs> to counteract <laughs> it. <laughs> um, yeah. And the, the greatest thing is it's been really interesting to see the teams and the syndicates to support. Um, people want to get out there shooting still. People that have come to the place just like to come out and see the friends, see me, catch up what's going on, um, see the beaters. It's, it's actually, yeah, see the chef. You know, so yeah, a lot of the teams have booked on. So we got we got like twenty days away now. So um, yeah, twenty twenty good days away. And I got probably another ten days to do. I do thirty days, and then I do quite a lot of walked up and um, sort of mini driven days as well to fill in to keep Sam busy, the keeper. I was going to say you that that's definitely something George and I have been chatting about recently. Do you think you're going to find more walked up and mini driven days? Yeah, just just in terms of being. At, I suppose not just at your shoot, but everywhere. Do you think that's going to be a bit more, a bit more of a theme this year? I think it will, but I think it'd be a bit of a closed, closed ship because a lot of people won't, you know, it'd be who you know and what you know. Um, yeah. Myself, myself, I normally do about 15, 20 days of like mini, mini driven stroke walked up days, um, which are really, really good for me because we do the boundaries and an odd game cup on the side or um, a few odd ponds. So they're, they're actually really good. Um, but I think uh, getting hold of them is still going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. There's just such high demand, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And it's value for money, isn't it? It's a day out with, with you know, good value. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I do think, yeah. you know, so far, everything that we've seen this year is that, yes, you know, prices have gone up dramatically, but it still seems like people want to get out in some way or another, whether that's a duck day or a, walk, bit, a bit more walked-up shooting or whatever. Um, I think it's it's really encouraging that that people still want to to get out there and, and have a nice yeah. time with their mates. Yeah, definitely. I definitely. I, th- I still don't think a lot of the shooting world has actually come to the realization that they are not going to be shooting as much. They, they they've had the heard all about it. They've done the game fair. That some of them have, and August is holiday time with the kids and get away. And then towards the end of August, I always normally get a lot of inquiries then. Um, and I think everyone's going to come back and go, hang on a minute. Um, so that's why I'm, I've told you if I've not been in a mad panic about selling some extra days because I know they're going to go because there's not the shooting out there. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, I t- totally agree with you there. I, 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 I know they'll go because it's always the way. Yeah. And this year more than ever, like there's nothing worse than listening to like negative drone from a whole industry about what's happening yeah you just sort of like if it's your hobby you just stand back a little bit yeah and wait and see how it unfolds yeah. and that's what people are doing yeah. we can see the data tells us that. definitely so people will come back and they'll get out and they'll have a good time and yes people will do things a bit differently some people have to have smaller days because budgets don't allow or yeah. they're going to have to pay a bit more just to get the day they wanted yeah. or and we'll get to february and maybe we'll have had a good luck yeah no, definitely i, I mean I, it's, a, it's a real weird at the moment it's real strange for me because normally we see a lot of birds up those tracks and partridges bursting out of game covers and and pheasants up the feed ride 
yeah, we haven't got that this year. We've got some ducks and some ponds and we've got, we have got a few pheasants to be fair. We have got a few thousand, a couple of thousand pheasants and, um, and the other flip side of this year, because it's been very dry, we've got a lot of wild ones. We've got a lot of wild birds this year. Yeah. So um, that's quite yeah. interesting. I, I, I've been w- walking on the farm before work a, a quite a lot uh, recently, particularly while it's been hot. And um, they, you know, all the crops have come off and you're starting to see, you know, we saw them paired up in the spring, the partridges, and um, it's really nice to see now little coveys of five or six young'uns with mum uh, you know, wearing away across the stubble. It's um, it's really encouraging, really nice to see. Yeah, definitely. That is good. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, actually, because it's difficult to know when you're out in the season. I don't know how good, I don't know if a keeper can ever tell, you know, what's wild stock, what's not. You're just going to have to sort of just get a feeling, aren't you? Yeah, to be honest with you, it normally all merges into one when you're putting down reasonable numbers. I think, um, yeah, it's, it, this time of year when they show up, it started to cut, uh, crops being cut, you can see what broods are around. Um, yeah. But I don't, yeah, it's, it's not going to be big drives, but I think it's going to be some nice walked up, possibly some, you know, catch some birds on some Brilliant. hedgerows and stuff. Yeah, really yeah. nice. Paul, you get to do some pretty cool stuff. You've already sort of alluded to it. With Field Sports Channel, you get to do some pretty cool things. What, which of your trips abroad uh, has been the most, um, the most memorable, shall we say? God, um, that's a good question, actually. I mean, I've been to some interesting places. Um, oh, dear. The, the media hunts have been very good for, for social networking um, and a great experience. That, that, that's, yeah, some Zeiss media hunts have been amazing. Um, beautiful countries, South Africa, Eastern Cape, was, that was beautiful. Probably most unexpected one, actually, um, was Slovenia. Slovenia is like the unspoilt... Austria, no people, uh, beautiful, beautiful surroundings. Uh, still, yeah, it's basically un, unruined by tourists. I hate tourists and I hate people. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so it's um, it's yeah. I'll say Slovenia is probably one of the most memorable and beautiful trips. Um, it snowed on the first day. We're in the mountains. Yeah, for Shamwal, that was that that was amazing. Wow! Probably, probably yeah, I mean one. that sounds cool. I, and I like, I, I love, I love the fact you've just done the uh, Slovenian tourist board job for them by calling them the unspoiled Austrians. <laughs> <laughs> Must be the truth. <laughs> but we got some, got some, got some, got some cool ones coming up. Actually, we got um, do plan do red stag in Scotland. That'd be quite cool on ponies. Um, and then we're going oh, cool. yeah. planning to go to um, Mozambique, which is going to be really cool. But it's yeah, it's a nightmare at the moment with visas and trying to get firearms passes into the country and all the horrible jabs and stuff. So yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. So that's one for this year. Maybe Spain as well. I think going through the Basiti Mountains from Basiti Ibex. So that'd be cool as well. So yeah, got some good stuff. Wow. I mean, added to, added to everything we said earlier, you're still fitting all this in. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this year is not a problem. This year, you know, I've got a few shoot days. I, Sam the keeper can run those. No, anyway, I'll be there. So. <laughs> that, that that would that would have been news for Sam. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was your first love then? I mean, you talk about rifles a lot. Obviously, you 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 started at a young age, keepering. Was it rifle, shotgun? Which is which was it that got you into all of this? Um, oh, obviously, going right like you say earlier about going out with your father. So, I was out with my dad when he was out doing the trap round. I started off with a a garden gun. I think a nine 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 mil garden gun. I moved on to a 410. 
so shotguns hunting rabbits down that was that was pretty cool in them days um i did a lot of shotgun shooting when i was younger i did a lot i did a lot of clays i was a triple a shot at like 13 i think it was um I think I made myself sick of clays. Right. Yeah, it was it was just yeah. too much. And I was very, very fortunate to to be invited to some nice estates as well. Living I grew up in the Cotswolds, so I shot all the Cotswold estates down to Badminton and yeah, so I've done a lot of shotgun shooting. Um and I think I've always had passion for row stalking. Yeah, out of everything, out of all the stalking. I've always still got a passion for row stalking now. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's very difficult actually. I'm not 100% fixed on one it, thing. Is it, is it a bit like I, I talking from a bit of experience here? It changes, doesn't it? Yeah. When you do a lot or you get involved in a yeah. lot of something, your passion becomes what you're not involved in the whole time. Yeah, definitely. And I did go off when one early early days of doing I was setting up the shooting stuff. I didn't do much game shooting myself. I, I just felt it was like being on a work day and. The stresses of running a shoot is quite quite a lot when you're setting up a, a new shoot. So I didn't do a lot for the early days of my own shoot, um, as you think I'd be doing loads, but no, not at all. Um, so the rifle rifle shoots in stalking took over the took over then more so. Yeah, it's really. Interesting. I mean, it, it's interesting that you've you know you've you've in many ways followed that traditional path. You know, dad was a keeper, all that sort of thing. You know, sparshold and, and then working your way up through the ranks. But I think it's also fair to say that you've got quite a a forward looking quite a modern outlook on on the shooting world and and having a career in the shooting world um what advice would you give to someone who's sort of just graduated from Sparshot say or is about to do their first apprenticeship on a shoot they're looking to forge a career do you think you need to have all those different strings to your bow to be able to you know have a a nice lifestyle doing it or is it still possible to to just be a keeper, so to speak. Um, it's uh, do you know what? It's it's about what you want individually. So my my father was a gamekeeper. He, he started up and he was a carpenter, stroke handyman uh, gamekeeper for a state, and he reared under broodies. And all he wanted to do was be a gamekeeper. So he went to um, Ireland and was gamekeeper out there because the jobs in the I think it was the seventies weren't many jobs in the, in the UK. So he went out to Ireland for three or four years, back to the UK. And his life, his life is being revolved around producing pheasants, looking after the estate, managing the deer, all the conservation side of it. He loves it. He's retired. He's been retired for four, five, six years now. He still rings me and talks about bloody pheasants. He's obsessed with them. <laughs> and he's been around all his life. And that's what I mean. So, and then you've got other guys a bit more commercially minded um i've always been sort of like uh, quite outward going i suppose and and i think it's probably that's why the kickboxing because i always wanted to be i wanted to be the best at that type of thing to get to you know it's about goals all the time so and with the shoots i wanted to get the shoot to be the best the shoot could be um and then i get to another shoot and i get that one like you know, improving it's like a, a challenge um, so I call it challenges, really. But so I think anybody can do anything at all. Any world champion, anyone can run, run a shoot. It's it's all about wanting it and getting off your butt and doing it. Basically, that's just, that's the truth of the matter. Um, it, it hasn't been given to me. I've been a lot done a lot of four four thirty starts and uh, eleven o'clock finishes or later. Yeah, we, we're almost starting and ending with a lesson in psychology. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's it's so true. But you clearly, you obviously got that aspect, and that's the bit that is the hardest to come by, isn't it? it it's 
you know you can have the passion bit but then you've got to apply it yeah you do, you do. And, and it's about what makes you happy and that's that's the thing my dad was happy in his job he loved his job you know he hardly left the estate hardly went on holiday but he loved it so he had a great life great career all the way through you know done like how many years it was a lot of years doing doing the on the same estate like 40 odd years on the same estate so why be do what i do and run around like a stupid idiot and do all these days and you know but i enjoy it that's what i do so you know it's each yeah. to themselves but i think i think it's hard i think it's hard for the youngsters at the moment yeah yes yeah. yeah it's it's just as you said it's been it's just a few years of turmoil almost that you kind of need to get through and then we'll see what sort of comes out the other side and yeah i think it'll get back to relative normal quite soon yeah definitely I hope anyway. No, I think, I think, I think definitely. I think, um, I think it will. I think uh, it, it'll all level itself out, get the wheat prices down a bit more and uh, bird prices up and down. Yeah. 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 I suppose the question on the bird fruit, the bird fruit front remains to be seen as to, as to sort of what, where that's going to be after yeah. a lack of supply, breeding issues, and the rest of it. That our shoot hub podcast went into that. I won't go into yeah. it now, but it's a, yeah, yeah it's, it's still a bit up in the air on that front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But talking of hope, hopes and dreams, Paul. Um, the way we like to finish off every podcast is to ask our guests to describe their desert island shooting, their sort of imaginary last ever day out in the field. Um, so the question is, where are you going? What are you doing? Who are you taking with you? Uh, money is no object. Logistics don't really matter. What's the what's the dream? Right, then. it's going to be a busy one for me, you'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> right, go for it. Um, it would be the last day. So up first thing, roast orking. Yeah. Breakfast, probably with my dad. Actually, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Then on to the a game shoot. Probably a local farmer's shoot with a load of characters using a 410 because that's just, just a good fun. Yeah. And then and then maybe ship up to do a grouse drive. That'd be quite cool. <laughs> so, so we're going to need a helicopter. I thought... I thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. good. Okay, yeah. so the, the, the chopper's way. So you go, you, you go from rough and ready, you know, local farm syndicate to the grouse mall. Yeah, like it. yeah, yeah. Changing guns, obviously. Probably go double guns on that one. Then, yeah, probably just head out. Probably go. Let's go to Yorkshire. That drop down to Yorkshire and, and do some high pheasants and partridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, are you at lunch yet? Yes, lunch now. <laughs> lunch, yeah. <laughs> but only a quick lunch. Only a quick lunch. <laughs> and then let me okay. let me jump on the Senate jet. We head out to Germany and we do okay. a driven boar afternoon because that would be pretty mega. Um, yeah. Traditional style with the, all the hunting horns. Uh, do the afternoon and then probably ship back on the Senate jet again and have a nice duck evening flight somewhere. Um, probably on, on sorry, up in Norfolk somewhere with a nice mixed bag of wildfowl. Um, yeah. Get back home, probably get on the quad and do some rabbiting. That would be quite good fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then maybe go foxing. Boys like doing that, but I'll go just to finish the day off. Um, and then probably that'll be it. And then, <laughs> and then meet everyone from the syndicate in the pub. Yes. And then meet, meet them all there for about 11.30 for last orders. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I mean, that's definitely the most ambitious, I think, so far. What do you think, Chris? I, I, I love it. 
I, yeah, it's 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 one of the uh, the only ones I can remember that has actually challenged time. Uh, <laughs> it's your last day. I think he's done that really nicely. Uh, your last day, you're going to make the most of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you did start at like midnight, I think that's probably doable, but... Mm. Yeah, it's epic. It, it, I love it. It come, it come close. It might be funny. It's a four o'clock start on the Robux. It's getting light, cracking light at four o'clock in the spring. Yeah, it was the quick shift up to Scotland and then Yorkshire before lunch, which <laughs> yeah. I think pushed it. Yeah, that. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Chopper, chopper will be a breeze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even want to wonder whether they're all in season at the same time. They are, aren't they? Uh, yeah, just about. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. It's yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Great. Um, very good. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really good fun. Yeah, awesome. Uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. That's thank great. You, thank you. Right. So before we go, as per usual, there is one final reminder that you can get your hands on a pair of the very exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters by sending us your shooting dilemmas for us to resolve or by sharing your unpopular opinion or nominating your shooting hero. Uh, just send us a, an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com and if we use it in the next episode or any future episodes, we will send you some garters. We will be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode and another excellent guest for you all. But until then, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>